0: Another episode. Hi, everybody. My name is. (laughs) What's your name? (laughs) I just cannot. I'm really trying to find the perfect formula for like the welcome because I feel like it's it's a little bit too cheesy. However, um, we'll figure it out. I think people Uh,
1: enjoy your laugh. Oh
0: well, thank you if you do, and if you don't, oh well. Minus one dojo point for you. Uh, (laughs) My name is Patrick. I teach third, (laughs) fourth, and fifth social studies and writing.
1: And I'm Antonia. I teach kindergarten. Everything in kindergarten.
0: That's right. And welcome back to the Common Sense Podcast. We're back again. Um, Shout out to everyone who's been listening and sharing your feedback. I really enjoy seeing your thoughts and getting your DMs and all those cool things. Uh, So it was great. We charted this past week after um, three episodes, which I thought was like super incredible. Um, I did text Antonia that we charted. And her response to me was <laughs> barely, <laughs> and I. Just, <laughs>
1: I'm sorry.
0: I just, you know, it was uh meet the teachers night.
1: Yes, yes,
0: yes. It was meet the teachers night, so I apologize. She was a little bit distracted from uh, the world, but you know.
1: I really, I really shouldn't respond to people if I'm doing anything at work. Because when I scroll back and I look at what people have sent and what I said back, like, most of the time, the response is so disrespectful.
0: (laughs) She literally was like, barely. I was like, girl, we number 91. What's up? After three episodes, what's good? (laughs) What is good? I'll
1: do better. I'll do better. I promise. It's
0: fine. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, Do you have any good news this week?
1: Um, School started. So, first day school has... Come and gone. Awesome. Uh, yes, I have twenty little ones with me this year. So wow. far. More join, right? But starting the year with twenty. Um everyone made it home the first day. <laughs> what else? Grad school starts Monday last semester. So that's very exciting. I today I actually dropped one of the classes because I got the syllabus. <laughs> stop i'm still thinking <laughs> <laughs> i'm Go still ahead. taking two classes but i had to like quickly drop one and swap it out with something when i got the syllabus for one so i signed up for sociology of education I was super excited um the professor used to have some national position with education i don't even remember what it was when i was looking through his syllabus both of the books were written by white men and i could not rent either Wah-wah. of them on amazon and i wasn't about to pay a hundred dollars for a book so i was like okay let me drop this one and get something else and i wasn't going on campus i had already decided that i was gonna do an online one so he had like three strikes against him yikes um, (laughs) but i replaced it with a middle grade young adult literature course so i'll be learning about that this semester um Oh, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, which is – it's cool because I, I don't do anything with upper elementary. So, that'll be – I'll be learning lots of new information. Um, So, I'm excited for that one. And then I had another piece of good news, but I don't – oh, Chicago. I decided to go to Chicago. I bought my ticket finally Um, for a long weekend. I tried to buy them earlier, but that's not been happening. So, I'm having to pay, like, these exorbitant um, prices for flights. But yeah, I'm excited. And I went do you last want year- to
0: tell the people <laughs> why you're going to Chicago?
1: Sure. Last year I went and I went by myself and I went strictly for books and coffee. Um I had created like this list of coffee shops I wanted to hit and bookstores that I wanted to visit. And that's exactly what I did for the whole weekend. I don't I think I may have also taken a day off of school. Like just went. Um, And so I'm doing that again this year to get to the other ones that I did not make it to last year, but I'm going a little earlier. I went in October last year and it was freezing already. So I'm excited to not be freezing this time.
0: So Antonia is on a book tour and she is so excited about experiencing coffee shops and bookstores in your city um when she first told me I (laughs) thought it was a I thought it was a conference or um some sort of event but no she's literally you know a walking reality show
1: I mean, that's what I do anywhere I go, right? It's what makes me happy. So anytime I visit a new place or I go somewhere I've been before, I try to make it to somewhere I didn't make it last time. So I know, like, I didn't make it to Women and Children's first, which is a bookstore in Chicago. I didn't make it to them last year. So they're number one on my list this year. Um, I kind of stayed around University of Chicago and visited all those last year. So I have an entirely separate part of Chicago to hit this year. So, yeah. (laughs) I'm excited.
0: Don't We're laugh good. At me. I'm not. Okay. I am not. Um, I don't really have that much good news. Uh school starts for me tomorrow. Um, I just got home from brunch. That was fun. Um, the brunch was the kickoff for uh Profound Gentlemen. Have you heard of them? No. So Profound Gentlemen is a nonprofit organization started by Uh two educators. They were featured on Forbes 30 under 30 as well. Oh wow. And it is an organization that supports black belt educators. So we have socials, they are like professional development professional developments. Um (laughs) did I say that right? I mean, they know what you
1: meant, so. (laughs) There
0: are PDs. There are PDs. There's an amazing conference. Oh, my God. They had this conference last year in Charlotte. When I tell you that was one of the best conferences I've ever gone to. Just the community was just like no other. I think we go to conferences and we get so engulfed in the content that we don't really make the connections that we need to make with other educators. And so this conference was all about the relationships. And I have walked away with lifelong friends because of this. Um, So it's an amazing program. If you know a Black male educator, or if you are a Black male educator, you definitely want to join Profound Gentlemen. They have small cohorts um, that are in various parts of the country, but you can find out more information on ProfoundGentlemen.org if you want to join your community for male educators of color. Um I do have some other news, but it's not good. <laughs> okay. Um I just wanted to just bring this up really quickly. <sighs> I'm coming down to your hometown, Houston. Yay. Not for good reasons. Uh-uh. Um unfortunately, one of your middle schools thought that it was okay to put a plain quote what that what that font looked like. Ariel. <laughs> Georgia. You
1: can download it from TPT. It's
0: not a TPT font, clearly. And the quote is right above these grayish lockers. And it says, and I quote, the more you act like a lady, the more he'll act like a gentleman, end quote. And I just want to know, what in the God-given what (laughs) would possess any educator to post a misogynistic quote in their hallways. I just wanna know.
1: It's not new. I read a tweet about it that had been up there for several years. And, and so we're just figuring it out. <laughs> we're just figuring it out, right? How awful is that? And how, that? Re- and how <laughs> real
0: is that? Like, that's why I love social media because we are airing out all of the BS that's happening. Uh, in schools all across this country. But, you know, and I I mean, I don't even have commentary on it. Because it's so awful. Because it's just like, it just couldn't be more. Yeah, I don't really have that much to say about it. I just wanted to call it out. Um, They did replace the quote. I'll I'll read the new one. It's really all over the place, though. Like it's really <laughs> hard for me to read, um, and I don't know what font this is. It's a cursive one.
1: Doing it's like too different.
0: much. Doing too much. We'll call it that. Do not wait for someone else to come and speak for you. It's you. I don't know if that is a S or backwards. it's you who can change the world all right so they decided to go ahead and change the quote i mean and and that's nice that they did that but (laughs) we've already seen the other one so here's what i need i need for there to be an audit of the policies um at this school to ensure that there aren't um, any policies that reflect the quote that was on the walls before this new pretty one was put up. Because if you're bold enough to put that quote on the wall, then you're probably bold enough to have an extensive dress code for girls, but not for boys, right? It's like little things like that, that schools do. um I just...
1: So can I say something about the school?
0: Oh, enlighten us.
1: Um, so it occurred at Gregory Lincoln, which oh. is HISD, Houston ISD. Um, and it kind of upset me because knowing the history of Gregory Lincoln, uh, seeing them in the news with something so negative, and knowing the student population that they generally serve... They're like, they're, they're black kids. Um, So Gregory Lincoln, where they are now, the building that had that quote that you read initially is a replacement for the original Gregory Lincoln, which was the first school in Houston ISD for black children. So it has such a rich history that, like I said, it really hurt to see something that negative coming out of there. Um, And they've had huge turnover in recent years with administration, um, they're K through eight school. Now there's just a lot going on at Gregory Lincoln.
0: Yikes. We might need to do an episode on teacher turnover. Eventually. Oh
1: man. And admin admin too.
0: And admin turnover. Ooh.
1: Yikes. <sighs> oh yeah.
0: All right. Well, got that off my chest. Um, I do have one
1: more good thing though. I thought oh, about yeah. it you were talking. Um, so I'm from Dallas from Oak Cliff and There's an organization, which I recently found out was started by a teacher. I didn't know a teacher started it. Um, I just thought someone from Oak Cliff started it. But there's an organization called 4 Oak Cliff that's doing a lot of amazing things with children and for the community. Okay. And yesterday, yesterday was Saturday, right? Yeah. Saturday, they had a back-to-school festival at one of the parks in the neighborhood. Um, And I think they gave over like 500 backpacks out. I think it was five, like oh. over five hundred for sure. Um, and had like supply drives and all the the typical staples at a back to school festival. Um, yeah. But what's really cool is J Cole showed up uh, just randomly because oh. he he recently released a song and like shouted out Oak Cliff, and so people in the organization have been trying to get him to come and like show up for the festival. And he actually showed up yesterday and he brought school supplies.
0: Wow. That was really
1: cool to see happen. And I was sad that I wasn't home for that. But it's really neat to see people from my generation investing back into the community um, and helping out the little ones that are there now.
0: I love a good grassroots organization. Yes. Like, when you talk about it takes a village, like, that's what that looks like. So, shout out to...
1: Yes, For oh,
0: Yes. Shout out to y'all. So... I think it's important that we have a discussion about how we as teachers can fight back against policies and procedures that are forced upon us by administrators or school boards or those people who are quote-unquote above us. As the new year starts, we know that we're going to have to sit through so many PowerPoints, <laughs> because our lovely administrators, our lovely superintendents um, have spent the summer reflecting, and now they have come up with a new system to help solve last year's issue this year. Have you seen that meme <laughs> of, like, the four faces, you know, of teachers, you know, MPDs who are just like completely over it.
1: Oh, yeah. It's like first year, fifth year. Is that the one? Yeah. Like, like
0: that is so real.
1: It because
0: is. <laughs> it often bothers me um, that I have to sit through these sorts of uh, announcements, especially when teachers were not or are not. Involved in the decision making process. Like, how do you make a decision that mostly affects me, but don't call me to see how I feel about it?
1: Real easy. Just, they just do it like they always do. I mean, they shouldn't, but you know.
0: Do you remember that story I told you about, or I told everybody now about the microphone that was put in my ear?
1: consequence number two
0: yes that one (laughs) um and I don't know if I told you all that I did try to fight against that um that same day I was you know completely over it that first day and so I went home I was so angry that I drafted an email Uh (laughs) uh-oh okay And in the email, I said, I had a phenomenal elementary school experience where I got a chance to be a kid and learn about great things. And this program that you're forcing me to do that I had no say in whatsoever um, is just, like, completely traumatizing. And I regret to inform you that.
1: (laughs) I regret (laughs)
0: you know like i don't know i was what 22 at the time (laughs) i was just like you know this is a fancy email word and so (laughs) i sent the email like i regret to inform you i will not be participating in this program any longer thank you so much see you tomorrow mr harris lol lol jokes on you now i'm not i'm working on it I think when it comes to fighting back against oppressive systems and procedures, we have to be strategic, okay? Now, I'm pretty emotional. I'm working on it. (laughs) I'm working on it. But I drafted that email in Emotions. So the next day, you know what happened?
1: No, tell us.
0: They called me to their office. Oh, no. no. (laughs) I got called to the principal's office. (laughs) And they let me have it. First of all, they reminded me that I was an at-will employee.
1: Oh, okay. And
0: so they're like, you're going to tell us that you ain't going to do something. You are an at-will employee. And then they were like, "Um, and all this stuff we've done for you, like we brought you on board and we have been super supportive and, I'm just like, are you kidding me? What are you, my mother? Like, I was right. just like, that's something my mother would say. Like, you know, I bought you Christmas gifts last week. You know what I'm saying? Like, when I didn't you know what I'm saying? So I was just like completely like appalled. Um, And long story short, they basically like threatened to fire me if I didn't participate in the program. So what did I do? I take my black ass up the stairs and I participated <laughs> in the program.
1: You <laughs> had bills and to pay.
0: Now, I tried to explain to them all of the ways of, or all the um, ways that the program was oppressive and the way it was hurting, you know, our students, but they just weren't trying to hear it because I was so enraged and that's all that they could respond to was my emotions. Yeah. Not to mention, I ended up quitting that school. And you know what they did with their petty asses? They took that email. They forwarded that email to my uh, principal at my new school.
1: That's so disrespectful.
0: And said, watch out for this young man because he's not a team player. And when he agrees with you, he's good. But when he disagrees with you... he is extremely toxic to the school culture.
1: Toxic.
0: Now, are they wow. completely wrong about when I disagree? I'm very vocal and strong about that. Absolutely. I mean, like they're totally right about that. Toxic for the school culture, really
1: extreme.
0: And so I got a call from one of my uh, friends who is who was teaching at this at the school at the time. And he's like, hey, what happened over there? I heard that you sent a, a nasty email to your principal and told him what you wasn't going to do. And I said, I sure did. And and so he's like, no, no. Like they sent the email to, you know, our principal now. And I was like, are you kidding me? So when it comes to fighting back against those policies and procedures, folks, as Pissed off as it makes us, we have to be, have to be strategic.
1: Got to pick your battles wisely.
0: How do you fight back against those policies and procedures that we know as educators are not in the best interest of our students?
1: Oh, man, you had to add that little disclaimer. Not just things that we disagree with, right? Yeah. Um... The first thing I think about is all of the um the online tools that you're expected to use. Hmm. Like um Imagine Learning, iStation, iReady, all that stuff. Okay. Um and the, so there's
0: the uh the sit on the computer and just play games, those ones?
1: Yeah. And the ones that you're supposed to like glean information from to inform your instruction. Um so what I <laughs> And they're required, right? Because school spend so much money on these things. Um, in the past, what I've done is just have them do enough that I'm not like the last teacher with the time. Cause they used to print out a chart of who whose class was like the top class who put in the most minutes, and they would get like a pizza party, like really stupid incentives. Why are we rewarding kids for sitting on a screen? Yeah. Um, and so I would do just enough to not be the last teacher and you know, who's not using the program based on like teachers, like teachers talk, right?
0: Right. Um,
1: And so it wasn't something that I pushed on my kids. Like it was there. You can, you can't say I didn't do it because I have numbers that these, like there's data that shows the kids did sit on the computer and do this. But I also didn't have these kids on here every single day because I don't see how that's teaching a child to read necessarily. Um, so, like, it goes along with picking your battles, right? That's not something that's worth fighting over. Like, if it's an expectation that the kids are on the computer, whatever, put them on the computer. But I don't have to exceed the amount it, the allotted or expect, expected amount of time for every child every week like some people do. Um, and it also makes me wonder, like, are you – what are you doing in your class if you have that much time to put your kids on the computer? Um,
0: <laughs> Especially in, my in, like, kindergarten, though. like kindergarten,
1: like, you can see it in the kids' eyes, which ones don't use screen time, because they'll just look at you with this sadness in their eyes. Like, can I be done? I'm just like, oh, my goodness. Like, yes, you can get off the computer, sweetheart. Go go to another center. Um. And if it's not other policies, if it's not physically or emotionally harming children, then I like I just meet the bare minimum expectations and move on. like leave it alone, unless it's something that I'm really passionate about, then I then I ask questions. But that hasn't come up yet this year. I mean, I'm only two days in, so
0: A veteran teacher might say, "Honey, you close your door." And you do what you got to do for your kids.
1: Yeah, you don't like closed doors. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's not me. No, because I I remember I I, there was I was talking to you about something, and I'm like, I was like, I'm just gonna be quiet and do what I need to do, and you were like, um, no. What do you mean? No, I've never. This is new.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I think I'm the teacher that will openly disagree and you know not close my door and leave my door open and like have a you know a very thorough now now patrick now okay now patrick back then probably wouldn't but patrick now will have a very thorough response on like why i you know decided not to do something i mean it's Um, kind
1: of like so i think i heard it for the first time Last year, so it's easier to ask for forgiveness than to ask for for, for permission, right? That's
0: it. That's it.
1: Yeah, and I'm that's, like, yes. that's real. You can play stupid. <laughs> I know.
0: Are do
1: that? Okay. Well, my kids did this with this. So, are you sure you really want me to do that?
0: Mm-hmm. I'm working on that. I um thought about that when my school was like, hey, we need you to use these Journeys textbooks. You know, and I'm just like, textbooks and reading? Like, who the hell is using, like, textbooks in an upper elementary ELA class? What year is this? You know what I'm saying? Oh, y'all yeah. oh, so-
1: actually have textbooks for that?
0: Yes. I know they have McGraw- them for lower Hill. elementary. Mc- McGraw-Hill. Um definitely delivered those textbooks, yikes, and I was completely over it, so I let them know that I was not gonna be um using it, but here's where things changed. I went to the n c t e conference and I got up there and I asked a question about you know basil's and scripted curriculums and how they impact children, and I got so much research thrown at me about why scripted curriculums are not appropriate (laughs) at all for building lifelong learning um, or lifelong learners in our classroom. You know what I'm saying?
1: I think so much of what happens is because no one looks to the research. Right? I mean, we know things like this. You know that to build a reader, you have to spend time reading, but the kids who need to spend time reading don't spend time reading. Because of these basals and scripted curriculum.
0: And that's because we're so busy trying to bring forth a quantitative data point. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like We're like, we got we, we to get these kids to pass the test. So what program can we get that's quote unquote research based? And let's bring that in because we need these numbers to go up.
1: Who's research? Who's research? Who's research? Not the teach- company's research.
0: Listen here. Teach Like a Champion says, and Doug Lamoff says that they are research-based. Please have a good night.
1: You know, it's interesting. I've only heard Teach Like a Champion mentioned in um, schools that, pre- that serve predominantly Black um, that's it. Graphics. Yeah. Where I am now, no one has ever mentioned Teach like a champion or champs. Um, <laughs> just throwing that out there.
0: Because it's trash. It's trash and it's only used to control. control. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, I'm trying to. I need to delete. Did I delete that picture of me and Doug Lemoff off <laughs> Facebook? <offensively? laughs> when I. Went to the uh, when I started my first year of teaching in a charter school, that was my first PD that I went to, was teach like a champion live and in person with Doug Lamal.
1: That's so sad. The fact that we need to control children to that point,
0: absolutely, absolutely. So, speaking of research, this is what I've learned I've learned that we have to begin to look at teachers as action researchers. While there is a lot of research that is out there, right? Not all of it is applicable to our kids that you teach in your specific school and that I teach in my specific school, right? And it is really important that we know the steps to coming up with our own questions, doing our own... um, I hate, I don't want to use this word, but I use it anyway, experiments and reflecting on on our own data so that we can say if things work or do not work.
1: I mean, you can say taking risks.
0: Taking risks, absolutely. So now when an administrator um, is putting down a system or something like that that I would disagree with, or I have an idea about something that they are apprehensive about, what I do is I conduct my own research in my own classroom with my students. And then I then present that to them and say, well, this is what I found out when I did it. Well, this is what I found out when I didn't do this. And so, and these are, and these are with our own children. And so what I want us to do is like, be able to take those risks and say like, I tried it and it didn't work or, I think we should do this because of this. Like, I don't want us to just do things because we are told, but I want us to actually trust ourselves enough to do something different and then present your findings. We shouldn't have to wait until, sorry, but we shouldn't have to wait until Johns Hopkins, like, you know spills out this research if they haven't already, but it's like, we should know the steps to do it ourselves so that we can tell our administration to stop using teach like champion because it doesn't work. You know what I'm saying? Or any other oppressive system.
1: Yeah. So kind of loosely related to the idea of like research in your classroom. I've always been told that ELA English language arts instruction should happen in the morning first thing, because that's when kids are most alert and that's when it works well, yada, yada, yada. And my first year of teaching, I did that until I didn't. And I flipped my schedule and I did math in the morning and ELA in the afternoon. And it completely changed like the atmosphere and vibe of my classroom. Yes. Um, And I didn't tell anybody. I just did it. And it made for a better day for me and a better day for my kids. And when Atman found out, like we're obviously upset because I was in a very controlling situation my first year. Um. Like, I didn't feel the need to go back and change my schedule because I knew that's what worked for us. And you're not in here with these kids every day. It's me and them. um, So I'm going to say, okay, and then I'm going to go back and do what I know works, Um, which last year also happened when I taught kindergarten. So everyone on my team taught ELA in the morning, did guided reading and centers in the morning. And we were doing writing and math in the morning and we did our ELA instruction in the afternoon and it made for a very calm afternoon in my class. And had I not been willing to step out and be the only one to completely flip my schedule, I wouldn't have found that there was something better. Loosely related, right?
0: No, that's very related. And so if we want to do things that are best for our kids, then we can't be afraid to break the rules, ultimately.
1: Because I think when you break a rule and it positively impacts children like yes there are going to be some adults that fix their mouths and ask you to do what doesn't work for kids but most of them if you show that you know this is actually working most adults with some sense will leave you alone and if not you just do what you know works
0: you just do what you know works close your door baby and uh can
1: we close the board (laughs) then Patrick
0: (laughs) and 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 do what you need um this year, I did a lot of course evaluations with my students to gather data about the text that they read, um their thoughts about um our restorative justice practices, their thoughts of you know what was the most memorable units for them, what were their big takeaways, and you know I, and I'm using that to plan. For next year, um, but also to present um, things for whole school uh, system changes as we move forward. And so, two things I found from those surveys uh, was that everybody, a hundred percent of students, said that I should not use Journeys textbooks.
1: Oh, <laughs> straight okay. out of the mouth of kids.
0: Straight out of the mouth of kids. I read one. Story out of one or two stories out of there, and a hundred percent of them said I should not use that. Nice. Um, and then also a hundred percent of kids said that community meetings or restorative justice, um, helped them to have a stronger sense of community in uh, my classroom. Um, so I was like, well, I can use that to then present to my new principal who's starting and say like, this is what the kids thought about community meetings. This is what they said, you know, could be better about them. But I think, you know, using this could um, help to make our school better. The main part of it all is that doing research in your own classroom to, to me can help to amplify your students' voices and, um, like, what do your students think? Like, like your actual students in your classroom. Um, give them an opportunity to create and craft, like, the education experience that they want. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's going to be different than what the people who are not teaching anymore says. You know what I'm saying? So it's up to you as their teacher to advocate for them.
1: That makes me think of uh, last year. It was probably around... March. So when we came back from Christmas, I decided that they didn't have to sit at the same table anymore. Like you could freely move around and sit wherever you wanted each day. Um, Okay. And before there wasn't even, I had kids strategically placed at their table. Um, But when I came back, I decided to just get rid of it. Right. And you can sit wherever you want. Whenever we come in the room, whenever we transition, you can pick a new seat. And it was fine for a while until I noticed that they were kind of stressed out. And it's, it's not funny noticing stress in children, but it's like naming it as stress is kind of hilarious to me. Um, but I noticed that they were kind of stressed out about the seating situation. And so one day during morning meeting, I asked how they felt about the seating. And it started out because I noticed lots of them starting to leave things in the seat so that they could say like, you know, I am sitting here. Um, and so I asked. Well, you know, do you want to go back to having your own seat? And overwhelmingly, like all of them were like, yes, I want my own seat. Um, And so that really, you know, the flexible seating is is really intense right now. And asking kids what they wanted in the classroom made me realize that what I was thinking was best for them wasn't what they also thought was best for them.
0: Right. They were five and
1: six. And so- Okay. What were you going to say?
0: Did you communicate that to your like principal or was this just
1: like something that happened in your room? It was just something that happened in my room. I may have mentioned it in passing because I don't know. I, I was always doing things like that and voting and deciding how things were going to change in our room. But after they told me that they didn't like how they could move from seat to seat at every transition, if they chose to do so, I was like, okay, well, you know, go pick where you're going to sit and that's going to be your seat. And if you need to move, you can ask a friend in the class if they would like to switch with you, but your seat is your seat. And when I tell you, like, you could have heard, like, the the tension lifted off of their shoulders or, like, a sigh of relief when I said, like, your seat is your seat. And so I think having to remove ourselves from the center sometimes and, like you said, giving that power to kids and letting them advocate for themselves and craft their learning experience and let them have a say in what's happening in the classroom environment is really impactful and really empowerful.
0: Yes. And ultimately, I think it's up to us as educators to now speak the language of our <laughs> administrator or whoever to ensure that you have the classroom that is most appropriate for your children. We don't have to, like, continue these oppressive practices, guys. We really don't. Yeah. So we we got to boss up and do what we have to do to fight against these uh systems of of injustice now um you know now taking down taking down standardized testing that's a little bit of a harder (laughs) don't
1: show up to administer the test guys stay home call me sick
0: don't (laughs) don't quote our podcast they said i shouldn't show up no (laughs) what i'm saying is come up with an alternative solution get people on your side get a team on your side um and have the data and the research you know what i'm saying to back up what to back up your uh your points and if data doesn't exist do it yourself you are an action researcher you are a teacher god damn it master of all things
1: as long as well never mind i'm not gonna go there
0: go ahead go ahead
1: no 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 it's it's just shady be quiet no, go,
0: go ahead it's too late now
1: Aww. as long as you're in the classroom and enjoying it right and not in a rush yes,
0: yes. as long as you are truly doing things for kids and not an alternate you know an ulterior motive Then I say, do what you got to do. Let's advocate for our kids to ensure that this school year is one to remember, and for good reasons. Any other comments?
1: No, I'm enjoying this conversation though.
0: It's a good, good. yeah, it's good. So, folks, uh, we're gonna take a break. But while we take this little break, you want to think about what rules you're gonna break this year. (laughs) How you're gonna and how you're gonna fix it? We'll be right back. And we're back. It's time for a little Q and A. Mm, not sure if that worked, but
1: I don't think it did. <laughs> <laughs> We're still trying, y'all. We're still trying to
0: figure it out. Uh, you can send your questions to commonsensepod at gmail.com or you can visit our website at www.commonsensepod.com to submit your questions. So I have the first question. It says, first, I want to start off by saying that I'm not an educator. Instead, I just share a deep concern with the direction education has gone. But I thoroughly enjoy this podcast. Thank you. Even though you two are just getting started. Thank you. I love it. Thank you again. My (laughs) question. (laughs) Have you two ever had personal favorites in your classroom? Have you ever had a child who seemed obvious and wanting to be your right-hand person? If you have, how do you handle it in your classes? <laughs> Whoa. Oh, um, do you have favorites? Off the record, off the record.
1: I don't think I do, honestly. Like, Man. That is a tough question. I think there are some children you connect better with, right? Um, but I really don't think I have favorites. And maybe it's just because I love that age, that they're all so fun. I don't know. I feel like my answer was supposed to be yes.
0: Um, I wouldn't <laughs> say that I have favorites all year long, but I do have favorites sometimes in September. Um, and sometimes I have different favorites in January and sometimes I have different favorites in the spring versus the fall. Um, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like, but I, I don't, uh, treat children differently as the, you know,
1: I mean, I get, okay. I feel (laughs) like, (laughs) I feel like it's so, so, so like stereotypical is that the word I want to use to call them favorites because I think I connect with certain children better than others
0: Okay, like
1: I connect really well with little black girls because I remember being
0: a little, little black,
1: and girl. I, yeah being a little black girl right um and so it may look like I'm that maybe they are a favorite I don't know I, I don't think I do anything differently I know, well, actually, I might show a little more love. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I taught a first grader once, a little black boy boy who was a little black boy who wanted to be a teacher. And I said, oh, I got to hold on to this one. And eventually, I mean, there were a a lot of things going on, but I do remember taking him to school or dropping him off at home a lot. Um, And I got the chance to know him differently. And in his family. And so, you know, that ultimately impacted how we interacted in class yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the next day and, and the rest of the year. I try not to have favorites, though. Uh, what about the second part of the question? Um, have you ever had a child who seemed obvious in wanting to be your right-hand person?
1: I would say yes. I mean, you you know... A te- attention seeker sounds so negative, but you know which children need a little more attention. Um, that wasn't an issue for me, though. It depends. Just keep on close. I don't know. I, and again, this is filtered through my working with young children. So I don't have an issue with it.
0: I don't either. I, I think that... You know, education is driven by relationship building. And so when a child is wants to be a right-hand person, you know, they're obviously communicating something bigger. Um, yeah. The reason why I say it depends is we have to be careful of the messages that we are sending out as educators. And um, if it's clear that you're showing favorites you know kids will call you out on that and that will in turn you know impact the rest of the relationships that you have with your students so I'm working on that um because I, I got called out for that um last year yikes I know but
1: by your kids? I think what
0: I was, yeah by my kids
1: oh, I think what,
0: what I was trying to do is like I saw some qualities and, 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 and some traits in students that. Um, I guess that people would pick on other kids for and I was super protective of them um, mm-hmm. even when I didn't have to be and so they, they were like oh that's Mr. Harris's favorite and I, and I was just like uh, kind of you know like <laughs> uh, so um, I'm trying to work on being more equitable and just taking the feedback that my students give me.
1: I haven't had that situation I guess like it it rotated last year. Like maybe for the first two weeks, it's this one kid who needs to be by me at all times. And then it switches to another child who wants to be around me all the time. I don't know. Like I never felt that I was showering one child with more attention than any other, I would say. Um, I don't know. So.
0: Okay. Next question. (laughs) Uh, This question was sent to us via Instagram, and it says, do you guys – sorry, I can't read clearly. Uh, Do you guys hope to be in an administrative role one day, or do you want to just be classroom teachers?
1: Come on, answer, Patrick. (laughs) You're not done with teaching yet, are you?
0: (laughs) Oh, my goodness.
1: You don't want to do something greater? Listen. (laughs)
0: Listen here, y'all. I do not desire to be in an administrative role. I don't want to be a principal. I never have, and I never will. Um, I really don't even believe in administrative roles. I don't believe in principals. Um, now, people are going to be upset, but I really believe in teacher leadership. So I think that too many times we have administrators who leave the classroom, most times too soon, and they forget what it's like to be a classroom teacher. And I think that that that, that experience piece is really important. And so I would love to be in a school where there are only teacher leaders and not administrators. But I would never want to be an administrator. I love classroom teaching too much. And I don't want to deal with, uh, you know, numbers and adults, you know, all day. Like, I would much rather be with the children.
1: So how long should you stay in the classroom before you become an administrator?
0: Um. So, again, I'll say it again. I don't think that administrators should stop teaching. I think that they should be in the classroom forever. I mean, if if if, if you're going to be in a school, if you're going to run a school, you need to be teaching something. You need to be teaching an elective. You need to be teaching an after-school program. You need to be uh, teaching AP something. You know what I'm saying? And don't say that it's not happening because it is happening. I met several heads of schools and principals over this past summer who are teaching AP biology, AP English, um teaching religion teaching uh, well this sorry that's private school with me uh, <laughs> but um, teaching all these things and I know I'm I work in a private school so the autonomy is different there but you know it is still possible so we have to reprogram what we see the role of principal being and if we want principals to truly be instructional leaders then they still need to be instructors honey.
1: Hey man, so hey man. If
0: I had to give you a number, um, I would probably say minimum 10 years.
1: I can agree with that.
0: Minimum 10. Don't come to me talking about something you taught two or three years, and now you're done with teaching, and you're moving on now. You're you moving can do on that, that in Texas. <laughs> Clearly.
1: Yeah, you That's- teach two years, and you can, like, I guess if you start your grad program your first year, and you finish, you do your two years teaching, you can be ready to step into a principal's role that thir- or an AP role um, I, that third I year. I
0: also blame Teach for America for stuff like that too, because they're yep. like, oh, do your two years of teaching and, and then do what you really want to do. And it's just like, no, like classroom teaching is not a stepping stone to doing something greater. Classroom teaching is an amazing, it's an amazing profession that doesn't get the respect that is deserved because people use it as a stepping stone and they public like they make it public and that's what like pisses me off about it all it's just like okay you're done with teaching that's fine teaching wasn't for you that's fine i totally get it people transition throughout careers like like that's not a new thing you know what i'm saying but what you won't do is you won't diminish my profession because you decided to do something different You know what I'm saying? And you damn sure won't be be my my supervisor when you only (laughs) talk (laughs) for. You won't be my supervisor and you only talk. Two or three years. Come on, please. You don't even get good until you had at least seven.
1: Man, man.
0: Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs)
1: you sound like my uncle so my uncle he he's taught I don't even know how long but he's also a football coach so he thinks he can do whatever he wants to and um he he got a new admin administrator principal whatever that had only taught I think for five years and he's like that woman can't tell me what to do I've been teaching longer than she's been teaching and like since she's been in education so she like he has no respect I mean it's sad right Maybe he has no respect <laughs> for any like administrative decision that she hands down because he's been in the game longer than she has, and she's not turning to her veterans to learn anything from them. And it's just like, okay, I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do. Um, and I think it's also
0: yeah. because we have this really weird, like, well, this view of veteran teachers of like, oh, veteran teachers they don't want to change, they don't want to, you. Know, they don't want to grow. And if they're in administrative roles, then, you know, like we need fresh meat. We need young voices. But it's just like, what does that even mean? i I'm, I'm The oval. only
1: reason they want young voices is because we're cheaper. You don't have to pay us as much.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: That's why people don't listen to veteran teachers. Veteran teachers cost more money.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: I love veteran teachers. So much to learn from them.
0: You would never spit that truth like that so casually. (laughs) (laughs) That is so true.
1: Have you ever thought about that?
0: I mean, I haven't, but that makes so much sense. It's like, do I want an? Do I want to pay for an AP that has only taught for three years using TPT products, or do I want to pay for an AP that has been teaching for fifteen years? And has been a literacy specialist uh, for four years and has a master's or two.
1: It costs more.
0: Oh, cheap ass mother.
1: That's money we can spend on online reading programs.
0: That's money we can spend on ST Math. And iReady. <laughs> wow. Yikes. You didn't answer the question, though. Do you want to be an administrator?
1: I have no desire to ever do that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and this is I, I, friends,
1: <laughs> right right so i i don't i'm not opposed to moving out of the classroom to do like um literacy intervention um okay. or be what do they call it like a literacy coach literacy or math coach i'm not opposed to that because you would still get to work very closely with children but i have no desire to do um like ap counselor principal not at all And the only reason I would even consider the math coaching and the ELA coaching is because I try my hardest to stay on top of what's new and what's recent. And at some point, as we all should, at some point, I think I'm going to want to share that with more people and like have the flexibility during the school day to share it with more people. Um, And so that's a possibility. And in most districts in Texas, it's the same pay, pay grade as a teacher. So it wouldn't be anything for me to, like, maybe do that for a year or two and then go back into the classroom once I start to miss it.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. That makes
1: sense. Yep. Not everyone wants to move up and be a principal.
0: And just because you're a principal doesn't mean you're moving up, honey. Okay, Ooh. sorry.
1: <laughs> that's another conversation, I feel like. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, I'm done. What? Well, that's all we have for this segment, folks. So... <laughs> Please send your questions for both of us.
1: <laughs> yes, both of us, please. I will share <laughs> scheduling and kindergarten related things on my Instagram story. Yes,
0: so popular. Miss yeah. so- Adams Teaches. Oh. All right.
1: <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> if they want to ask the questions, I'm I just- proud
0: of you for sharing your social media and stuff, so though. You don't do up. that a lot.
1: <laughs> I do not, but <laughs> <laughs>
0: growth. Moving on. Growth. Uh, you can send <laughs> your questions to CommonsensePod at gmail.com or via our website, www.commonsensepod.com And we look forward to reading your questions. Do we have a quote this week?
1: We do. Um it's not really related to the topic. Um in Tacoma, Washington, which is Tacoma outside of Seattle? I think it is. Are you um, testing
0: my geography?
1: Am I what? Are no. you testing me I mean, geography? I know as Americans, we are very weak in that area. I am not testing your skills.
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have to teach geography. This, Go ahead.
1: Um, there is the possibility that they may be striking because they can't reach um, a fair contract with their school board. So, Nate Bowling on Twitter, he kind of did a thread about it, and there is one piece that really stuck out to me, especially because I'm doing the no-spend school year, uh, which I talk about on Instagram, but basically, I'm trying to fight against the idea that we're expected to subsidize public education out of our own bank accounts, and I'm not okay with that. So, $0 this year is the goal. Um. And so Nate Bowling on Twitter, he says, as summer winds down and a labor impasse looms, I want to make it clear to the community no teacher ever wants to strike. I didn't get into the game 13 years ago to walk picket lines, but I and other teachers in the region have to do what's best for our families. I'm a professional. I I knowingly work for below market wages because I love the work, but there is only so much sacrifice you can ask teachers to make.
0: I think that is very much related to our talk about fighting against injustices in our education system. You know, sometimes being a researcher or breaking a, you know, a small rule, like it just doesn't drive the point across. And we have to do things that are more drastic to get our point across. Yeah, And striking is one of those methods that shouldn't have to happen, but if they do, then they do, ultimately.
1: Yep. So, Tacoma teachers, if that happens, I'm praying for y'all. I hope y'all reach a fair contract.
0: Yes. Get your coins. Yes. We are not doing stuff for free.
1: Oh, no. Not in it that, just for the outcome.
0: That <laughs> that is an an injustice within itself. So, any final thoughts?
1: Nah, I think I'm good. I think I've had I've I've said all I have to say on this topic.
0: <laughs> we left it on the floor. All we right, did. Folks.
1: which um, we try to do.
0: Yes, thank you so much for listening. If you feel so inclined, I don't like saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway leave us a rating or you know give us a review or something on um <laughs> I hate asking for things like that but you know leave us a rating or a review that would be cool uh, there are quite a few on Apple Podcasts which are really fun to read and we just love like seeing your feedback and um seeing what you guys think as well let's continue the conversation after this podcast and we will see you guys i'm working on making this like a smoother like you know ending but it's hard it's just our fourth episode guys uh
1: uh,
0: thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time bye